Hello and welcome to On Thriving, the podcast that empowers change makers ready to unlock their full potential to thrive and make a positive impact on the world. Before we dive into the episode, I want to remind you that you can support the podcast by subscribing, rating, and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform, and by subscribing and hitting the bell for notifications on YouTube. Your feedback and all of these actions help us reach more people and continue to produce high-quality content. Also, if you're interested in learning more about astrology, you can download my free guide called A Guide to Saturn and Pisces from my website at taylorshuler.com. And finally, I am thrilled to announce the launch of my new monthly membership community called Thrive. This community is designed to help you grow, connect with me and other like-minded people to learn, network, and collaborate, and get exclusive access to an extensive library of resources and tools that will help you live your best life and make the world a better place. I'm also offering private text and video chat to a limited number of members in the Societe Lune Noir part of the community. You can learn more about the community and join us on my website, taylorshuler.com thrive. Hi there. Welcome back to this episode of On Thriving Astrology and More with me, your host, Taylor Schuler. I am so happy that my good friend, Monica Ibakachi, is joining me today. I'm so excited for you to be introduced to Monica. She's a wonderful person, so well connected in the permaculture community and a leader. And she just has a lot to share with us today about the work that she does how it changes the world, how it helps us to thrive and heal. And so welcome, Monica. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. I know. I'm so glad we're getting to do this. So for those who are not acquainted with you, which I don't know who can't be at this point, I feel like everybody <laughs> knows who you are, but tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So my name is Monica Bacacci. I'm the executive director of Beyond Organic Design, a nonprofit based in New York City, and also the CEO of Beyond Incorporated, which is a, a consulting arm of our nonprofit, where we work with educational leaders who are wanting to implement these kinds of programs, educational programs. Awesome. Wonderful. So, so tell us a little bit about like, what is permaculture from your point of view, for those who haven't heard of it before? Okay, so permaculture is a design system that's based on how Mother Nature designs itself. Mm. When Mother Nature is left alone, it designs itself in a way where the ecosystems, if you look at a forest ecosystem, every all the elements, all the plants, everything in the forest usually is serving multiple functions and supporting in many different ways so it's serving lots of purposes. So what we want to do with permaculture design is that we want to mimic. Well, yeah. all right. Okay, so um, so tell us, Monica, um, so that's a little bit about like what permaculture design is, but what is like a design system? Because sometimes when I talk about permaculture with people, they're like, what do you mean design system? And they're like, eyes glaze over. And I'm like, and I think that it's based it. on this. Here's what it is. Most people don't know that Mother Nature designs itself in a particular way. Mm. That's the first thing they don't. They're like, what? What do you mean? There's yeah. a purpose to that. There's a intention. It's done intentionally. There's like an innate intelligence that's happening in nature that allows for these designs to 
have occur? And the answer is yes. Two ecologists sat in the forest in Tasmania for 10 years, took a bunch of data, scientific data and research, and showed that nature defines itself, designs itself in a certain way. And these ways lead to a more uh, resilient and um, productive system, ecosystem, healthier. Yeah, so one of my favorite examples, uh, so the, and the two scientists are Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, right? They were in Australia and, or um, yeah, Tasmania. And one of my favorite examples is just this image of trees and shrubs. And so there's like a tall tree and then there's like something below it. And you can kind of see in between all of these plants, the ground and how they shade each other and things like that. And just seeing that like also the distance between them, right? Like if you have a fruit tree, it's going to be farther away, but like the shade from the top, the height of the fruit tree is going to shade something that needs shade to grow, right? Like maybe berries or something like that. That's why you see raspberry bushes and things that like have brambles around the edges of forests, right? Because they grow, they like need a little bit of shade and they're, they mutually benefit one another. So curious if like you have a favorite example, I didn't really explain that very well. So I don't know if you want to use that one or not. I think that most people, I, I like to use the example of the dandelion mm. because a dandelion is a, what I call some, okay. So some would call a dandelion a weed. And I really, I believe that a weed is a plant out of passion or a plant in a place that we don't want. That's what a weed is. It's just a plant. And um, so dandelions in the ecosystem, the dandelion's role, it actually has a role. And um, in the ecosystem, it breaks up really hard soil. So whenever you see a dandelion, it's a design solution. It's mother nature's design solution set to break open that soil because once the soil is really, if it's really hard, if you ever tried to pull out a dandelion, that root is really serious business. It's really long and very bulbous and very strong. So it breaks open the soil, which allows oxygen and air, oxygen, sunlight, maybe nutrients. And then that starts to change that area where the soil is. Then it becomes more hospitable for other plants. So actually, you know, a dandelion is the front line of making soil hospitable for other plants and that's for plants but what about for us dandelions have been revered throughout history uh dandelion wine making the root and drying it and powdering it and making powerful medicines the leaves are nutritious the the flowers are edible and they can be used in teas so dandelion is actually a really powerful medicinal plant and not for us and for nature. And that's something that I found consistently is usually what's good for nature, meaning the soil, the plants, the ecosystem is also good for us. Generally, there's a lot of correlations between what's considered medicine. So yeah. that's usually how I like to say it. But on a bigger scheme, what is permaculture? Permaculture is a way of designing a space so that everything that's in the space is, is holding up. It's like a web. It's holding up and supporting the rest, the whole. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And so, so we we often see it right, like in farming and um, like, or especially organic farming, natural farming, because in permaculture, we're not using pesticides, we're not using or not using chemical 
pesticides that are harmful and, and not natural. We're just using the natural organic inputs in the earth and we're not using heavy machinery to till the earth, right? We're just designing things so that they naturally do this for us and then leveraging the things that are already going on. Like you said, maybe we need the soil to be aerated and broke up, broken up, right? Break up that hard soil with the dandelions or, um, you know, we want to see how we can use the light of the sun, um, you know, when it hits the landscape or hits a, a building and how the shade works and then how the water runs over the contours of the land and just optimize that or slightly redirect things so that those inputs are working for us. And then we don't have to work so hard. We're really just like optimizing nature instead of trying to fight against nature with these human sort of like engineer, like overly engineered things, if that's fair yeah. to say, right? Yeah, it's very low tech. Low tech. Yeah. Right. So, so what are the benefits of permaculture and why are you and I so equally passionate about it? It's because the benefits are that we live in a world where these uh, man-made fertilizers and chemicals have had unintended consequences. There's lots of scientific research and data about that. And what's the solution? In permaculture, to me, it's a design system and a design science, but it's also a toolbox. And what's cool is that the toolbox includes, um, it's a big uh, conglomeration of so many things from so many cultures and time and tested truths, time tested um, ways of doing things, of building soil, of, uh, of creating natural fertilizers. So it comes with a toolbox that helps us do this kind of work, whether we're designing a farm or a garden, um, in a way that's sustainable and regenerative. So it's a system that comes in a lens, a way of looking at things that comes with a toolbox. So the benefits are a healthier soil, water, and us, right? Yeah. So, so those are some of the benefits and, and someone says, okay, like that's all good and well, but it sounds hard. What would you say? And I would say that, um, treat it like you, I, what is, I think a good advice for life, slow and small solutions, make small changes. Don't overhaul your garden completely. Just put in, you know, some bee balm, some yarrow, goldenrod, put in some things to bring in the beneficial insects what 98 percent of bugs are beneficial bring in things to feed the bees um in our expanding uh ever expanding world the habitat is being habitat destruction is a really big thing and what are some of the small steps that we as individuals can do if you garden you know put flowers in and do it organically unfortunately insecticides don't distinguish and they kill every all the bugs and 98% of bugs are beneficial. So I think that if you, if it feels like a lot, just start small, start that, small. Every year, put in, you know, one or two new plants, new to you plants, start, you know, small learning here and there, watch some videos on YouTube. It doesn't have to happen overnight. That is really great advice. And that is one of the 12 principles of permaculture is using small and slow solutions. So I love that. And one of the things that I love about the work that you do, Monica, is that you work with children, you educate children, because if it's hard for us as adults, because we're stuck in our ways, guess what? 
kids are constantly learning, right? They're sponges for all of this new information. And one of the other things I love about permaculture is that it is about thinking about seven generations into the future. And so how can we do that most easily, right? By using permaculture principles and thinking about it, what is the path of least resistance, right? It's just, if you're going to teach someone, of course, you can teach adults, the, those who are willing and wanting. I did. I got my PDC. You did the same. So uh, we can teach the children because it's easier for them to learn and absorb all of this. And so I think the work that you do is so, so, so important because if we had learned this, if we had grown up like this was just normal, it wouldn't be so hard. Right. And so this is a huge gift that you are giving monumentally huge work that you're doing. And so I'm hoping you can share a little bit about some of the programs that you offer and maybe a little bit about the impact that you've seen them have. Absolutely. And thank you for that. Um, so in the months of April through August, spring and summer, I work with children. The rest, the other months of the year, I teach university. Um, I teach in two online uh, permaculture design courses with um, Oregon State University or Corvallis and also Cornell University. Hey, you know Cornell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I teach adults. So I have a really great balance of both of those. My work with children is primarily in public schools and community centers. And the programming is around helping them, facilitating them to make the connection Um that everything everything is connected right nature is not out there it's still we have nature in new york city i'm about to start a, a two-month program at an elementary school k through eight where we're going to be going through a series of four classes and what we're doing is that we're talking about what does nature look like in the city does it look like the same as it does you know in rural areas where what is our nature who takes care of it um, how can we take care of it? Because the idea is that people take care of what they know. And if they haven't really identified what is nature in the city, then they're they're not going to have that consciousness. So it's about raising the awareness that there is nature around us, no matter where we are. And these are the ways that we can take care of it and support it. And then augment it because in their garden that we were redesigning, we've added in habitat for birds, bees, butterflies, uh, all the pollinators, beneficial bugs, um, and habitat, meaning they're bringing them food and bringing them places where they can, they can like relax and um, have some water and do all these things. Why? Because all of those things together collectively helps to make a garden that's vibrant and alive and healthy and beyond organic, right? Mm. I believe for me, at the base of what I do, it's permaculture because it's beyond organic, because it's beyond or um, regenerate, be beyond sustainable. And, and that's where we, we need to be because we can aspire for more. So a lot of my gardening, a lot of the work that I do is a combination of teaching design, teaching them how to design and how to pick things and how to place them. And also the gardening skills so that they get the opportunity to have their hands in the soil. So they get the opportunity to practice observation and to draw what they see and to ask questions and to see the process grow, see the plants grow over time. I personally found it, found it really 
healing to to start 20 years, 20 plus years ago, I started with houseplants and I started with a vegetable garden, something I hadn't done since I was a child living in Chile with my grandparents, right? We had gardens, both sets of grandparents had gardens. And apparently I was always there doing things. So, you know, a million years later, here I am, you know, in Alaska, learning how to garden, learning how to grow food and not the easiest climate. And then, you know, it was for me, it was a transformative experience. So for me, connecting to nature's cycles in a way helped me connect to myself. Mm. And I believe and make me feel like I wasn't as isolated and I was part of a whole. And when I came back to New York, that that feeling still continued. And I wanted to be able to do that and offer that in my programming. So working with the children the connections are being formed and my hope is that it and there is research that shows that working with plants helps people regulate their nervous system and just feel better and feel calmer there's a lot of research that shows that that's why horticulture therapy became you know a a, a viable line of therapy so so that's what i'm trying to do in my courses and in my programming and I work with all ages. One of the things that I'm um, excited about is have, have started to work more work more with high school. And I think that they are hyper aware as they're thinking about their future and thinking about going, what life after high school, they're hyper aware of climate chaos. And for me, something that is really important is to the programming that I do is to empower and inspire them. We get so much bad news. And for me, permaculture is the good news. It's the way that we can design, redesign things and make it better. Mm. And, and honestly, it's such a malleable system that I often use it in my, in my own life and just how I look at things. You know, like I said, small and slow solutions. That's a, that's a big one for me because I like to move fast. It's so such a reframe, isn't it? Right? Mm -hmm. Permaculture is like the ultimate reframe for positivity and seeing the opportunity in things. And I do think that once you get into permaculture, you start to see all of these negatives like bugs and slugs and poop and, <laughs> like, yeah. and weeds and flood and drought as opportunities and you begin to see solutions instead of problems because one of the main things it's not a principle but it's such a popular phrase um aphorism whatever you would call it in permaculture the problem is the solution yeah, and i mean just designer attitudes yes designer attitudes and taking that attitude into everyday life that the problem is a solution i mean there's so much negativity in our society today. And so I just love that point that you made about permaculture helping with positivity. It really, really does. I, I think you said it, it's a reframe. So it's a great tool for me. It's a great tool for working with children to working with people. Cause I teach all ages. It's a great tool to help reframe our current reality and, and look at it in a way that just feels more manageable to me. And um, 
yeah, and I think that it's a lot easier to move and to be active and to try to make change when you are not frozen in fear, right? Yeah. When you are hopeful. So that's my hope. My hope is that that's what we're able to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. Permaculture is something that gives us hope for the future. And it is a thought tool. It's a design tool. It's a tool that we can use in our lives. You said you use it in your life. I use it in my astrology. I use it in my practice. I use it in my day job. I use it in my life. One of my favorite books is Louis McNamara's People in Permaculture. And that informed the uh, thesis that I wrote for grad school about applying permaculture to business management. There's other people who've written about that as well. And it really just expands your whole worldview. I mean, I remember when I first got into permaculture, learning about the eight forms of capital, for example, you know, knowing that there's more than just money as a, as a resource or a form of capital, there's social capital, there's spiritual capital, you know, there's intellectual capital, there's, um, you know, there's, there's, I'm not going through all of them, but there's so many, and it's important to see the abundance all around us and not just think about the scarcity in terms of dollars and cents and things like that, that there's multiple solutions, there's multiple layers, and it really helps me personally to lean into possibility all of the time, which is something that one of my good friend Karen, good friends, Karen says all the time, it's just like, you know, lean into possibility and lean into abundance. There's just so many possibilities all around us all the time. So um, if you don't mind, I want to talk about your chart for just a minute or two. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> so because if anyone's interested in permaculture, if you're passionate about the environment, if you're passionate about being a teacher, perhaps this conversation can help you a little bit to, to look at your chart if you're learning astrology or if you're wanting to have a reading or something like that. You can pull up your chart on websites like astro.com or astro-charts.com. Hopefully one day I'll have a chart mechanism on my website. I don't quite have it yet, um, but I do do readings if you want to come chat with me and I'll, I'll be happy to look at your chart for you. So Monica's chart, um, Monica's born on May 30th. And so that means that Monica's son is in Gemini. So Gemini is an air sign and air is all about information and it's about networking and connections and people. And so Ooh. that's why when I started this introduction, I was like, Monica knows everybody. Cause not only does Monica have her son, her vital energy, her fuel of life that like is like the fuel for her engine through this life. It's she's also got Venus and Mars. Venus is relationships. Oh no, I'm sorry. Venus is in cancer. Mars is, is there in Gemini though. And so Mars is is about our action and it's about dharma and it's also like what we're willing to fight for mm. so monica has a lot of this energy about collecting information about being extremely knowledgeable about a number a variety of topics that's why you're a wonderful entrepreneur and a leader and you're a great teacher as well and all of this is making a really beneficial aspect in her chart to jupiter which is in libra so libra and gemini are both air signs they're making this aspect that they're looking at each other called a trine. It's 120 degrees of a 360 degree circle. So it flows like a waterfall. So Jupiter is what kind of teachers we need and what kind of teacher that we are. And so Monica is a teacher who brings beauty and balance and harmony in her work every single day. And she just brings a subject matter expertise because Jupiter's in the sixth house of work and the sixth house of subject matter expertise. And it's also the place where 
we see us passing down information to future generations, which is why Monica is a teacher uh, at the university level and for children, uh, in addition to other consulting. So amazing breadth of subject matter expertise. Um, Monica really knows her stuff from this chart. But one of the beautiful, beautiful things that I see with permaculture, because I've looked at both Bill Mollison and David Holmgren's charts. Now, David Holmgren does not have his birthday out there, but my little Scorpio moon has done a little bit of sleuthing. <laughs> so I have a pretty good guess on when his birthday is. And um, so from that, and then mostly from looking at Bill's chart, because we do have a birth date, although I don't think we have a birth time for him, but that's okay. Um, there's essentially a lot of Taurus and Scorpio energy that comes to permaculture people. So I have some Scorpio energy, I have some hidden Taurus energy going on. So that's why I'm interested in permaculture as well. And Monica, in your chart, if we have this birth time correct, and even if we don't, you still have some really strong, <clears throat> excuse me, Taurus energy, but I think we've got a really good solid birth time for you the constellation that was rising, the zodiac sign that was rising above the eastern horizon the moment you took your first breath was Taurus. Yeah. So you and Taurus is the bull, you know, literally like the bull who's in the field doing a couple things. One, you know, what do they do? They pull like the ox will pull the cart, right? Mm -hmm. They'll have the plow. It's just this real feeling of uh, pastoral abundance and this uh, this real slowness, right? That slow and small solutions to use and leverage the power of nature because a, a bull and ox, they're extremely strong. They have a ton of endurance, a ton of perseverance, but Taurus is also an earth sign. So it's literally oftentimes related to the earth and caring deeply about the environment. If you were a Taurus or you know Tauruses, they really care about the environment. They don't want to waste food. They love snacks, right? <laughs> and love food, love connecting with people over food. Food is a big love language with tourist people oftentimes. And, um, and they're very grounded, very tangible. They want practical solutions. They work extremely hard, way too, way too hard. Tauruses work way too hard. Um, but you also, even if that's not your ascendant or rising sign for whatever reason, even though I really think it is, conjunct the ascendant. So like right touching the ascendant is the planet Saturn. And just four minutes of arc away, we have the planet Mercury. So what does Saturn do? Saturn is the authority. Saturn is the leader. Saturn is responsible. Saturn is hard work over long periods of time. And so Monica shows up as a teacher, as an authority, as a leader, and Saturn can be very serious too. So Monica is very serious about this work, about the environment, taking it very seriously, and our responsibility to the earth over very long periods of time, right? Seven generations into the future and leaving this legacy for the future, hence teaching people and leaving this, right? And then Mercury, what does Mercury do? It's our mind, it's our communication, it's writing, it's speaking, it's reading, it's um, it's conveying information. And that's what you do. And you do it really well. You share the good word of permaculture. You're doing it here today. You do it in your classes. You do it with your business. You're an excellent communicator. And when you put Saturn and Mercury together, it's someone who's a very serious communicator, someone who thinks seriously, someone who speaks with authority and um and really feels the the weight of responsibility over what they say and how they share it with the world so sometimes there can be hesitation 
because you just feel the weight of the world on your shoulders in terms of conveying the message that you need to convey because you know the impact that you're going to have or could potentially have. And it's, it's, um, you know, the ramifications of that. Like if, if you say the wrong thing or, you know, you, you do say the right thing, like it's going to mean something and it's going to hit people. So I know when I first came into the permaculture community and this was about 10 years ago now, um, it was in 2013, you, and I did my PDC over at, uh, through permaculture UK, the permaculture association in the UK. And I did my PDC on a farm, Varzea da Gonzala in Portugal, in the Algarve, which was amazing with Peter Cow was my teacher. And as soon as I came back to the US, you were one of the first names I heard. I mean, everybody I knew in <laughs> in the US in permaculture was like, do you know Monica? You know, Monica, you know, have you talked to Monica recently? And I was like, who is Monica? <laughs> and they were like, but I immediately like knew you and felt like a kinship and a friendship with you because everybody is your friend. Everybody knows you. Everyone goes to you because you really are a leader. People talk to you and they're like, yep, she knows her stuff because of that Gemini, all of that Gemini. And, mm-hmm. and people look at you because that Saturn in Taurus and that Mercury in Taurus as well. And they say, and the Taurus rising and they're like, Hey, she really cares about this. She's very serious. She's very committed. She's very responsible. She'll show up for you. Um, you show up for yourself. And uh, so I know I just did a lot of talking, but does that feel like it resonates with you? Did I? Did I yeah, say- no, of course. It all resonates with me. Yeah. I, I find that so interesting and fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, And a little bit, I think with astrology, it kind of makes my head spin a little bit because there are the planets and what they represent. And then there's the astrological sign that is associated with that planet, mm-hmm. meaning like my sign, my astrological sign in that planet. It's just a lot of information, but what you're saying absolutely makes sense for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. So basically if anyone has tourist placements, you might care deeply about the earth. And for that reason alone, I think permaculture might be something that you want to look into. Monica, do you offer PDCs or um, classes right now? Is the PDC through the university? Yeah, the PCs are through the university. And then um, I will be starting an introduction to permaculture. It's going to be a four-part series. And if they go to our website at beyondorganicdesign.com, they can sign up uh, for the newsletter. And that is how we're going to get the word out. And then also follow us online. We're on Instagram. We're on um, Facebook. Follow me on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's all. We'll get the word out. And just anyone who's interested, I know I've been saying PDC and people are probably like, what does that mean? And sometimes I forget to explain things. So the permaculture design course is a 72 hour set curriculum that was created by Bill Mollison. And um, it's, it's a, it's a bigger time commitment. And um, if you want to see the curriculum and all of that, that's online. You can go to, you Google permaculture in Oregon state university, you'll see the curriculum there and see what's covered. And then, I find that sometimes people like to do just a short intro and just just kind of see if it's something that's interesting to them, see how they could use it. I'm currently going to be on March 22nd through the 26th. I will be part of the of a summit, the Earth, I think it's called the Earth Mother Summit, and um, online. And I will be doing a workshop called uh, Learn How to Design for All or feeding everyone, which is a 40 minute talk. And it comes with a workbook about how to bring 
a more balanced, how to have your garden become a more balanced ecosystem by bringing in, by using nature to work with us and not against her. Oh, so it's, it's going to be a really great little talk. And I look forward to doing that, but in a longer form online through my website. Beautiful. So I will put all of the links to that in the show notes and also on my blog uh, for this episode. So you can go to taylorshuler.com slash horoscopes and look for this episode, search for Monica's name, search for this episode, and you can find all of those links. I also just want to say, because I, I don't know if we said it, but you have been, have you been the president of the permaculture? Um, oh, I'm the board president of uh, the Permaculture Institute of North America. Yes. So it's our professional trade association and people can do professional level certificates in design and education, site implementation, uh, community development. So for any, you know, the engineers have a trade association, architects have a trade association. Uh, it's not unusual professionals, the designers have trade associations. So PINA is our trade association. So for those people who have chosen permaculture as their career path, we have continuing ed. And then we also offer memberships for people who have done their permaculture design course. And you, we have our membership includes um, webinars and the newsletter and lots of other perks. So I definitely recommend if, recommend if anybody here is listening, just join us, join us at Pina. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful. So I used to be on the board of PAN, which was also called pain, I believe at some point in time, but we rebranded and that was the permaculture association of the Northeast. And so I know pan has worked and does work with Pina. And <laughs> so if you're in the Northeast, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, Eastern New York, up to Maine, you can check out pan too, but Pina is a wonderful organization across the uh, North America, certainly in the US, right? Uh, Turtle Island, and um, definitely recommend checking that out. I am now feeling like uh, a bit delinquent. I need to get my membership going with Pina uh, and, uh, and support, right? So, and I just wanted to say that just to reinforce that Monica is a big deal in the permaculture community. She really does know her stuff. She's the president of the board of Pina and, um, and, and they have done significant amount of work about the curriculum, which is something that I was trying to do with Pan when I was on the board. And I, um, you know, did a, a little bit, but the work that Pina has done on really standardizing and ensuring rigor in the permaculture curriculum has been, I can't say how important, I mean, just really important. So thank you so much for all that you have done and contributed to permaculture because it's so important and um, and all the work that you do in beyond uh, beyond and beyond organic. So Monica, what does thriving mean to you? Thriving means being out of survival mode. Thriving means having a life where I feel that joy and pleasure and love are significant components of life. And for me, pleasure comes from feeding my senses, whether it's through walks in nature or spending time with my friends or playing with my houseplants or listening to music, painting, whatever it is. It's about getting outside of my thinking mind and into my body. That has been, I think, something that we live in a world 
that's so brain oriented that it's very easy to live a life where we're living from the neck up. So for me, something that I think the pandemic brought home is this idea of what would my life look like if I was the goal, if the er the direction I wanted to grow into is a life of thriving. And then once I asked that question, I really had to think about it. And I'm like, what does that look like? What would it feel like? What would it feel like in my body? What would it feel like in my spirit and my heart? Like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And in answering those questions and reflecting and answering those questions, I said, I will need to reframe. Much like with permaculture invites us to reframe, building a life of thriving has given me the big invitation to reframe because so much I had to, I had to acknowledge that a lot of the stress and the anxiety in my life comes from the way that I frame things. What are the importance, the meaning, the significance that I give to what, what is happening in my life. So yeah, I love that that's the name of your community. I love that that's what you're doing. And it felt to me really, I resonated aside from our friendship and you being a colleague, I wanted to do this podcast because I we need more conversations about thriving Absolutely. because it can really pull us out of being in a spiral of so many things that are not positive into another place of, wait, wait, that's my goal? I'm not just trying to make it through? Oh, wow. Well, then I got to make changes. Things have to be different. And the biggest place for me to make those changes is in myself, right? I like to say the only common denominator in life is me. Mm. And if there's a pattern emerging in permaculture, we talk a lot about patterns, but if there's a pattern, I'm going to be in every part of it. <laughs> it's coming from me. So if I want a life of thriving, the only thing that's consistently in all parts of my life is me. So it's going to start with me. And I think there's an empowerment that can happen when you realize that, when you realize that, it's going to start with you. It's going to end with you because that's that's where things happen. And um, a lot of times I think I I know that I felt things happen to me and not with me. That and is that was, so beautiful. Right. That's a really important distinction. It is. And, yeah. And so – that is one of the things that I love about both permaculture and astrology is patterns because mm. we see patterns in permaculture and oh, astrology yeah. is another pattern language, just like permaculture is a pattern language. And yeah. you're absolutely right that we see the patterns uh, in ourselves that are emerging around us as well. In astrology, one of the ancient uh, sayings is as above, so below, and as within, so without. And so when the patterns in the sky as above happen that match the patterns or trigger touch the patterns that are inside us in our natal chart, we then embody them, we have opportunities to learn with them, work with them, and so on. And if we want to recognize some of these patterns when they manifest negatively, if we, if we notice what the pattern is and we match it to the language and the archetype, we can then say, what is the positive manifestation of this? And take that as an opportunity to transmute and transform and then live in that energy of positivity because these are designs. We can design our life. And if we know ourselves, we know our natal charts, we know the inputs in the land, we know what happens with 
with weather or things like that, or with the seasons, right? Or with certain plants, just like we know what happens with planets, if we know what happens with lunar cycles, if we know what our natal chart has to tell us, we can work with all of these planets, um, with all of these patterns and with all of these energies for our greatest and highest good. And that is really how we can thrive. And so that's one of the reasons why I love to work with both permaculture and astrology together to find regenerative ways to really help people thrive. So I really appreciate your reflections on thriving and why it's so important. Yeah, for sure. For me, it was amazing to find out that there are patterns in nature because I didn't know. I knew that I saw patterns of behavior around me in history. We always say history repeats itself. So I saw the patterns around me of people, society. I, I didn't know that there were patterns in nature. I, I mean, I knew about the pattern of seasons, but so that for me was a big mind-blowing part of learning about permaculture too. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. The branch patterns when you see, when you're on a plane and you look down and you see the river patterns and the branching and stuff, and then you look at the branching of the blood vessels in our bodies. I mean, you can't get more. We are part of nature. We are nature working. We are nature. Yes, we are nature. So, yeah. Thank you, Taylor. Thank really you so much. You. Thank you so Thank much you for, for joining me. Yeah. Yes. And we'll have to do it again. And so if you would like to see Monica come give a class, you know, in the membership community that I've got. Uh, uh, I would I, love that. That would be so right? fun. Yeah. Let us know. What would you like yeah. to have Monica come and teach and then come join us in the membership community over at taylorshuler.com slash dive. So absolutely. Yeah. We will see you again next week on thriving. All right. Take good care. Bye now. Bye.